breached the Black Helpline. The revolution will not be televised. Hell no. That's why you work at the zoo. Doing the Clearly, zoo shift. I, yeah, you did the psychedelic furs. I, I did the whole zoo. <laughs> I did the whole summer. Really? Yeah, that's weird. All that shit. So that was a lot of dope shows. Though. It was good. It was, yeah. it was like, I got the shit sent to me. And I was like, what the hell? Right on, I'll do this. And Roseanne Cash and Steve Earle. And okay. Do you want to pull that a little closer to your face? Yeah. yeah. Oh, how do these things work again? Mike pull Shane. it closer to your Mike, pretty you face. Get Mike <laughs> Shane. Hello, my pretty face. Big germ got Mike Shane. So Mike was, uh, Shane. I bought, I bought different mics because I just couldn't handle it. It wasn't <laughs> that was Mike Shane. It's like nobody can hear what you're saying. You're mumbling through everything. And you just fucking yell at me. And well, you were in the corner yell. opening up snacks after bedtime. You know? <laughs> <laughs> no, I, was, I was drinking after bedtime. <laughs> I handle shit still. I love it. You know how it works. Well, welcome to the Black Helpline. Here we are. We have a guest tonight. Why don't you introduce yourself? I'm Randy. I hi Randy. Hi Randy. Hi, Randy. <laughs> I've known everybody in this room for a long time. Disclosure, I, at least 20 years. Disclosure. At, yes. Uh, at least. Yes. Yeah. I worked at First Avenue for 30 years. Jeez, dude. I'm sorry. I wow, know. really? I that know. long? Uh, actually, 29. Actually, I worked there. I worked for them again now yeah. at the Palace Theater. There you well, go. At least you ain't at the First Avenue getting a head cold. From no, all shit I moved on. I, got, I, I moved on. I, yeah. I am tour manager for a band called Atmosphere. I have been for 15 years now. I have been a touring engineer, tour manager for 30 plus years now, or 25, 27 years now, and all types of music. There you go. So that's basically me in a nutshell. I have two kids, a five-year-old and a six-year-old. Awesome. Yeah. That's a lot of work. That's awesome. yeah. <laughs> Cuz you uh you started late, my friend. I know. I started late. <laughs> yes, you did. I know. <laughs> Usually people are like, "Man, I know." Yeah, but there's there's more wisdom, I think. Now. I agree. You but there's know, not a lot of energy. I, I didn't know what I'm, I was doing. I'm trying to have more energy. I'm trying to stay healthier and there have more energy for well, it's good. To, well, still being still riding around on your bike is a is a really good way to keep it that way. It is. I've stopped riding my bike in the winter because I'm scared now because I have yeah, kids. Yeah, I don't do that. That's, what, that's what cars are for. Exactly. <laughs> I've been realistic about my own mortality recently. Yeah. Um, yeah. After being on tour for a long time and just I'm trying to like ease into it. not retirement, but kind of. Somebody asked me the other day if I was gonna what I was gonna be doing in ten years. I'm like, well. I've been doing this for 30 now, so I'm probably going to be doing it for probably 40. This. I don't know what else yeah. I'm going to do at that point, but I love it still. No yeah. doubt, no doubt. Yeah, you're you lucky. can't retire anytime soon. I, I am lucky. You're lucky that you still love what you've been doing for over half your life. I am very lucky at that fact. That is yeah. a blessing in mm-hmm. itself right yeah. there. For How'd sure. you get into it? How'd you get into it? I started working at First Avenue when I was, well, I started as a janitor at First Avenue. and Drill squad. Yep. Before the Jewel Scott, actually, yeah, okay. in 1989. And uh, by having keys to the place, I played in a band, and by having keys to the place, I was punk ro- I was a punk rocker. And I learned how to do sound by the internship they offered in the Tuesday evening. Oh. So I kind of learned how to do sound, and I had a certain talent for it. This is okay. And uh, I was on tour within two years of doing that, and I've been doing it ever since. So you didn't blow out your ears as a punk rock band I, player? I 
I hope not. <laughs> <laughs> no one's noticed uh, yet. <laughs> I've been lying to people really good for a long time. Just no. shake your head, yeah. Well, I discovered uh, John Spencer the other night at the turf that my left ear is um, not as good as it used to be. Uh, that old lean-in. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's, a, it's a good job. I love doing it. Love doing. Uh, I love doing sound, and I love tour managing, usually. And... I've been, I don't see anything other thing that I would be doing. I've just, have had, I've been with Atmosphere for a long time. Mm-hmm. I still do some independent stuff. As far as moving on, I've kind of slowed down on anything uh, mercenary. Because <laughs> it's like, <laughs> I'm too old and tired for it. Yeah. Yeah. So meet a new group of people and be nice to them and do all these things to learn how to do it. But that being said, a band I used to work for a long time ago was getting back together and I'm going to go work for them. Can you tell us who it is? As I know. Okay. <laughs> okay. No. That's that's great. That's but, great. Um, yeah. So that's me. Um, that's cool. But there's a lot of touring that goes on with that too, right? Yeah. Yeah. There we should probably introduce ourselves but, as well. We didn't well, do that. Well, they all know who we are. But <laughs> just in, Let's do just it. in case you forgot, I'm <laughs> now content. I'm Big Jerm. Big Jerm. He's really gotten into this. I really, I love it. I'm Tricky Mickey, nice. and you've reached the Black Helpline. So now we have a guest. He just told us a little bit about himself. Let's get into some topics. Let's get into some stuff. Let's talk about your experience being a black punk rocker here in Minneapolis in a town of eight, no, nine. 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 Notorious nine. I think it's nine now. I think it's we're nine. all in our 50s, too. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> you know, it's interesting. I bed uh, First Avenue, and in that culture there was not a lot of black people at all no um and music also reflected that i think back then i think it's kind of changing now i think there's it's kind of opening up is what it seems to be kind of but i remember when they tried to bring in the one hip-hop artist here and there and people be wilding and (laughs) the cash registers and shit we do a thing fights ice cube we do a thing called soundset every year that's that is it's probably a third black, I think, yeah. and that would be a, and that uh, yeah about that. Now it's and a third black. Now it is. Yeah, okay. when it started, it wasn't. It was like some Coachella shit when it started. When it started, it was uh, yeah. The first years of it, sorry, the first years of it were it kind of moved. It's kind of morphed into a different thing over the mm-hmm. past ten years. I mean, I love it. I've been done. I've been the production manager every year since the beginning, and kind of watched that whole thing grow. And um, what's it called? Soundset. Soundset. It's a hip hop festival at the State Fair. Now oh. it's at the State yeah. Fair. Yeah, used to be at Canterbury or something. It was like at Canterbury. The first year was at the Dome. We do about yeah. thirty thousand people. Canterbury. Canterbury. I went to that first yeah. one at the Dome. That was the best one. Yeah, yeah. that was I, that actually. Was. The, <laughs> encapsula- the encapsulated sound going okay. on, the newness of it. Yeah, that was my. I shouldn't say that was the best one. That was my favorite one. Yeah, it was um, pretty good though. You know, for the Dome. Yeah, it was out in the parking lot. It was interesting. Yeah. We had the tornado. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Nice. Yep. I didn't run. I <laughs> I watched my phone all day. I was like, oh man, it's gonna hit. But uh, yeah, I think that thing has been go. That's been going on for a long time. And Rhymesayers, who I've been working for for since they started twenty plus years ago, um, has been doing. It did bring a lot of kids that wouldn't be listening to uh, some of the music they're listening to. I think they've kind of brought. A lot of things in it now. Hip hop now. I mean, not that I'm an expert by any stretch of the imagination, but 
it seems like it's it like if I look at the bands like Tyler the Creator who played last night, it's a lot of white kids at that mm -hmm. primarily. Um, with that being said, like last year we had we had some acts that were it was I think last year was one or more more integrated years I'd say for Sunset yeah for Sunset. Okay. Do you think that a lot of that, like what you just said, harping on what you just said about, um, like, say, Tyler, the creator, the majority of the audience were, were white, do you think that is, that is hip-hop, especially in our small community up here, has helped bridge the gap between um, not only generations but um, um, racial lines? I hope so. You know? Yeah. I hope so. I, I, I actually, my hope for hip-hop is, is more positive angles which Tyler is doing now um, and some of the other acts are doing now. Um, positive angles in what way? Positive angles as far as subject matter. Okay. Language yeah. and sub subject matter. And that might make me old too, I don't know. But some of the stuff that we get regularly said was kind of just threw me off in hip hop. Um, and now that being said, the same was thing was going on in punk rock when we were all listening to it. You know, and I don't think I think I toned it out back then, and I think now I'm kind of more sensitive to what I was hearing, what was being said. Some of the homophobic stuff that was said back then, some of the racial stuff that was said back then, is a little bit. It's now it's being called out more. You know, like why right. are you saying that kind of Absolutely. stuff? Absolutely. Yeah. And I think that's a positive angle on the whole thing. Um, so it's more inclusive now. Yeah, I mean, I admittedly had a thing about Tyler. I don't want to keep talking about him, but. Uh, <laughs> Well, yeah, I saw a show at First Avenue, and he said a bunch of things. I was like, "Man, you got a uh, your fan base is a bunch of kids that are a bunch of suburban white kids, and the stuff you're saying right now is giving them a right to say stuff that they shouldn't be saying." Wow! And uh, that was kind of a that was a a bone I had to pick with the whole situation, both you know racially, homophobically, everything. It was kind of you know misogynist. And I think he kind of pulled out of it. I think he kind of switched directions and, yeah. and went in another direction. <clears throat> um, and some people have and some people haven't. You know, and it's like, but I I think, I know that back then we were all kind of watchdogs of shit was going on back then. And, uh, you know, I mean, we had shows at First Avenue back then. If there was something that was, the subject was racist or something, you mm -hmm. know, it was called out immediately, you know. Um, and I think that that was to uh, to the credit of the people, you right? Know? But and I think it's still going on. I think it's been kind of shifting and getting a little bit more. We're bringing things in because back then when we did hip hop shows at First Ave, it was always a thing, you know. Yeah, and it didn't happen very often. No, at all. it <laughs> no, did not at all. It, it was because it got messed up. Quick. Well, yeah, it got messed up, and it was like <clears throat> I mean, think about some of the shows you worked back then, and you think about they got messed up. And it was, you know, it was unfortunate. Um, I think in learning how to do shows now, so now you can go to a hip-hop show and it's going to be not messed up. Yeah. Kind of like, oh, that was a good show or that sucked or whatever. But not have it be, I mean, the obvious example is the Ice Cube show we did, oh, well, did a million years ago, which was a disaster. Well, did it actually go? I don't even remember it going through. It went, yeah, it went through. It, it went, went through. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, my God. It was, I was in the barricade. Steve Marcucci getting a, you know hurt yeah it went yeah, through it and i think i think i mean that and when we're talking about like having um a limited selection of 
quote unquote black music coming through our town inventory. back in those days. Inventory, <laughs> <laughs> our favorite word <laughs> for you to describe humans normally. <laughs> But our inventory of music was pretty scarce back then. It was absolutely no. scarce. And I, and do you think that do you think that a lot of a lot of this 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 rhetoric this dialogue that is used in in um in records that are made today? Hear me, Asian myself, calling them records. Records that are made that are made today. <laughs> records are making a comeback, man. On your right. Walkman, when you play them on your Walkman, yeah, they are making a comeback. But do you think those <laughs> things are directed at a at a specified audience that just didn't show up and they weren't expecting to have these these mixed uh, media audiences? And they were still they're still writing those songs. They're still using that that dialect. But you think it was directed at an audience that that, that did, they didn't expect not to see, you know? Like they expect to see a room full of black people, but a room full of white people showing <laughs> yeah, up. Yeah. In fact, I wonder about that. I mean, I would say you're you're probably right. I mean, that's who it's directed at. You yeah. Know? And that that, but even still, I mean, yeah. Um, and I think that the messages, like I think a long time ago, when First Avenue did things like when we booked those shows, they kind of limited it. That's why the inventory was so was so small. They kind of limited it to what they thought was going to be successful, uh, maybe. Six well was going to make money, right? For one, and it wasn't going to turn into non-threatening. Uh, threat, non-threatening. Yeah. Now, um, you mean like all of us? <laughs> no, yeah. no. I'm talking. You know, just safer bands. Well, yeah, you know, actually, yeah, I know. You know, book Sugar Ray instead of, you know. Yeah. Well, one thing I find interesting when you go to see a hip-hop show now is the fact that we're seeing groups, not bands, groups that I would have seen 30 years ago who were out 30 years ago. And so we're all in our 50s. (laughs) Who's got time to be in that job? And then you get the younger kids. So, for instance, I saw Eric B. and Rakim over at the Varsity, I think it was, over there on campus. And so it was me and a handful of other people of color and then a whole bunch of fucking bro stains with their hats turned backwards mm. and the beer swelling and the flip-flops and the whole kind of... And it was just... It was very strange. It was very foreign to me. I mean, you got to figure who's going to... I am constantly shocked at who comes to some shows. Yeah. I'm like, who the hell did you guys come from? <laughs> Where did you hear about this? I mean... That sings to the majority. I mean, I think Pays I heard years ago that the majority of um, of hip hop records that are being purchased are being purchased by white suburban kids. You know, like actually purchased. And 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 when you go into the stores, because think about where they're selling these records. You know, we got what do we got here? We had Let It Be. We don't have that anymore. We got Electric Fetus in town, and yeah. we're all seeing them people buy records right now. Road no name. Well, I would say that people are buying and getting the records on computers right now. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. The records on you know, that's where that's where the primary. You know, right. And now you're getting from. a subscription. You don't have to necessarily buy the record. Right. You just have a subscription to the album. Right. You get are the you speaking of Spotify? Album. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yes. It's cool. Black Help Line is also on Spotify. Oh, nice. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> nice. Hilarious. Um, yeah, I, I would agree. I, would agree. I, th- I think, um, like, when I watched the audience that, that I was just at the zoo all summer, which we were just talking about, and when I think about the audience that was there, it was all 60-year-old white people and all the shows. I mean, it was the same people. <laughs> All the shows, which was interesting, I, and I saw a bunch of shows I'd never see, and some of them, a lot of blues bands, a lot of bands that, uh, I mean, I have no idea who's been going to watch watch this stuff for fifty years, but <laughs> someone has. So, um, and I don't know if it's if it's our culture here or if it's like that at every show they play. You know what I mean? 
Having seen shows in many different cities, and in fact in different parts of the world, I can pretty much say that as the as the group ages, so does their audience. And very, it's very rare that you're bringing in a whole new crop of people, you know, like a younger set, a younger generation. And so, for instance, Taj Mahal, there might be some people who've been brought there by their family or yeah, discovered his right, stuff, exactly. but the majority of people are going to be or at least late fifties yeah. and up. You yeah. know, yeah. we'll say like atmosphere they worked forever locally <clears throat> then broke regionally and then nationally and so they have their aged in crowd and then once they broke more nationally a younger crowd atmosphere has been kind of a uh, anomaly yeah honestly I mean, that crowd has continued to get stay about the same age for mm-hmm. 15 years which is i don't i mean as a guy who's been doing it for a long time i don't completely understand what the math of how the age has stayed the same uh-huh. but uh they have. They kind of appeal to us to a to a sect. Now, I mean, recently I've been noticing a lot more uh, parents at the shows, you know, so, which is kind of cool. Like and with we, the, with like with their with their teenage kids, uh, with their kid kids, with their like, kid kids. Yeah. like four year olds. Oh, that's my amazing. Wow, which is a thing that's, that's pretty ha- great. It's pretty thing that's happening. People, yeah. it's mm-hmm. nice that people feel safe enough to bring their five right. year old to a to an atmosphere show where they. Potentially, a lot of times they're like, I, we met in an atmosphere show nine years ago, and this is the outcome right here, which is always yeah, kind of cool. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, I've been doing atmosphere internationally for years, and our audience is, I mean, I think that audience has stayed, like, out west, there's a lot more brown-skinned people out west yeah. than there are in the Midwest, you know, like a lot more, which is fantastic, you know. Yep. Like, the audience, the audience in L.A. is massively different than the audience in <laughs> Minneapolis you know and I, I mean I don't know I think they're I wouldn't say they're they're massively different different skin color but I wouldn't say uh, their thought process is any different I think their thought process is what brought them to atmosphere is fairly yeah. is is okay. similar things brought them all to atmosphere I you know I couldn't speak for them for why that would be taking place you know but yeah I I worked in a before I worked for Atmosphere, I worked for Hank Williams III. So I did. Oh, oh right. I remember that. I remember that? Hank yeah. Three. I went Hank III. Good old Hank III. <laughs> yeah. uh, Talk about flipping the script. Holy shit. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yes. Um, and I left that. I loved him. I loved the music. I, honestly, I really loved the music. But I left it because I couldn't deal with the audience anymore. I mm-hmm. just, I just, my brain was exploding every night. And I was just like. Yeah, that's kind of be, be a switch. Yeah. Big switch. I get sick. Got sick of looking at Confederate flags and, and, uh, and I got sick. Yeah. Of, I got sick of like being asked if I was a bus driver, and I got Fuck sick of that. All, all this stuff that was just oh, really with holes, holes poked through a Confederate flag. Where yeah. you from? <laughs> <laughs> and you know, it's it interesting. But working for those, working for Hank Three for as long as I did, I saw a lot of different forms of of how people see things, and it wasn't even necessarily that they, people were. I mean, they were, but they didn't know they were racist or whatever. When someone asked me if I was a bus driver, that's just what they saw. I right. saw a security guard. They saw a bus driver. You know, and it was frustrating as a tour manager. I was like, fucking tour manager. Yeah. <laughs> Which was expressed to this person, but you ain't going to change it. But I worked for that guy for a long time, and I saw a lot of the South that I hadn't seen before. And it was interesting. It was, it was, it was generally interesting. It, I finally kind of had, had enough after a while. I mean, I was... I did it maybe five, four years, and I just kind of, 
I can't Damn. do this anymore. I got to step out. Were you seeing the same kind of crowds everywhere he went? Oh yeah. yeah. In fact, and I've worked for Atmosphere now for 15 years, and I've seen two Hank three shirts at, at shows, and I always <sighs> go up to those person. I'm like, really? <laughs> That's amazing. Interesting. Do you yeah, tell them then? I have gone up to them and been like, you know, and I'm like, I used to work for them. <laughs> That's no, asked him if they were the bus driver. That's <laughs> uh, so funny. Did you? So, do you think that you saw a different part of the South being uh, Hank William the Third's tour manager, like a different uh, aspect of I it versus hip hop? I definitely saw a different part of the South with that. Different attitudes, different yeah, approaches, different everything. Mm. And you know, once it like in most shows like that, once I established who it was and what the situation was, it was you know, it was business as usual. It kind of got to, back to work. But getting into that, you know, how you were getting it treated. I mean, that being said, being a hip-hop sound guy, is, you get the same kind of treatment a lot of times. You just got to kind of assert um, expertise in your situation and make sure that someone doesn't think you're just someone's buddy and you're like, that you're a professional. And, right. Which is right. A kind of a tough situation to be in, but I've kind of realized it had to be like that. You know, like I had to make sure that... The, the, my counterpart at the house wasn't looking at me like a uh, was looking at me like a professional, you know, and yeah. not just like some guy who has two channels and is someone's buddy <laughs> on stage, which is what would happen, you mm-hmm. know. And and I'd be like, now that hip hop has become is is way more mainstream than it was even five years five years ago. I mean, no way doubt, more no main doubt. stage mainstream. So all those you know, so now there are hip-hop song guys all over the place that are like, you know, they're being taken seriously and right off the bat and yada yada. But, you know, it's weird that you have to, be, it's weird that you have to prove yourself in that, you know, in that genre. And I feel like I, feel like I did with Hank 3 too, you know, and I, before that I did metal, like I did Anthrax and uh, the Melvins forever. And I kind of had to do it there, just being black, they would be like, what the fuck is this guy? Mm-hmm. I had a guy in Europe once asked... <laughs> Asked the bass player from the cows are having this really deep conversation about music and analog and all sorts of stuff. This guy's like, So I noticed you have an African doing sound for you. Do you find that they have better hearing? Uh, uh, <laughs> the I'm fuck not, out I of here. I'm not kidding. I was like, I was like, carried a spear with you. Drop I'm like, Are you kidding me? <laughs> are you that someone Jesus. just actually say that to you? You have better wow. sound and you can dunk. <laughs> Wow, so and a dance. sense of smell, <laughs> so, smell. Clearly, those kind of things stick mm. out in people's head, you know. Clearly, and I mean, it just sounds well, they like, were just brought it just up, like they were just brought up with stereotypes. It just sounds like shit they ain't good at. Fucking no, most it's ridiculous just stereotypes that wow. their yeah. parents taught them, and they were stupid no, enough to ask. I agree. It's they, had, they hadn't unlearned that shit. Well, think about it like this: it, it, that that proving your your worth goes. On all levels, it's, uh, you know. Yeah. Think about us, me and Big Germ, being being in the IT world for for over twenty years. Yeah. Think about that shit. I've been you know? fooling people for years. <laughs> I don't know what the fuck I'm doing. I just wanted to decipher Google. Jeez, it's crazy. Hilarious. <laughs> I mean, it's interesting, especially when you get in those fields. And I've known from, I mean, that at First Avenue, I was. Everybody asked me if I was a bouncer all the time after I did something else. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, that was it's just sort of. It's a trained thing in your head. I mean, I've been handed staff shirts at, at arena concerts where I'm like, I'm not fucking security, dude. I'm, <laughs> I got a radio and yeah. I got a lamp. <laughs> but it's happened a couple times and diffusing it. I mean, diffusing it is diffusing it. 
it's like I, I I'm not one to get angry about it anymore. I just kind of like that's age. Yeah. Don't you think that's yeah. age and experience? I think, yeah, just like, I think oh. I was a long time ago. I was way more aggro about it. You know. I well, mean, I, well, we all want to be taken seriously, especially when we're yeah. starting to do something and to be taken seriously. You know, and then when somebody strips that from you, you know, all the work you done did, you're like, you serious? And they don't see the badge or the no. sticker or anything. No. They just see the. They see the metaphorical yeah. spear. You need that T-shirt that says, <laughs> "I am not the bouncer." You know. You do. You do. I mean, it's like now that doesn't happen to me. Like with atmosphere, it doesn't happen to me in ages because now I'm. I've been around. Yeah. You're established. I'm established. They're like, I know that guy. You know, he's been here 15 times. You know, he's a pro. Yada, yada. And, you know, it's been something that we're working for. I kind of like, I wanted to to get into, I was trying to get to be a regular face in theaters and clubs, which is where I am right now, and so I'm pretty happy with it. Um, But that was all those things that kind of led up to that shit was sort of how do you, explain it how do you do this how do you do that you know how if i'm proving myself every day which i don't you know i kind of feel like younger kids are got to go through the same thing you know because i you know and i'll have a kid who's come through the palace you know and he's 22 and i'll assume he has no idea what he's doing you know and he's a kid sometimes he does sometimes he don't you know Mm -hmm. um you kind of tell if they're gonna make it or not yeah i mean I think it's. I think at that age, none of us really knew what we were doing. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of, you know, it's it's just sort of. Now I'm kind of. I don't know if I'm judging that person by how old they are, or if they're a male or female, or you know, I, I mean, back in the back of your head, I don't want to think I'm doing that, but I think I think okay. I'm probably guilty of it. Period. And I switch, try to switch it off and don't do it, but. Yeah, I think a lot of us still don't know what we're doing. Yeah. <laughs> but we've learned how to nope. play that off and actually present better and than we, we did as children. We tend to be children. good at ageism, too, even at our age. Yeah. You know, accusing young people of being lazy. It's like, well, somebody accused us of being lazy. Yeah, you but never young say kids you are can't lazy. You do something in a job interview. <laughs> yeah. You never say you can't. But when you get to this age, you always go, yeah, I don't really do that. <laughs> I, yeah. Nice. <laughs> nice. No, I've seen you got to say, I don't really do that because I have you doing some shit. You'll be eight hours trying to do one task that's why that's why i grew a beard because when i went out this beard i looked like i'm 35 and everybody's like he can do it and i'm like "Mm -mm." that's hilarious no i can't i am 52 years old i'm not doing that that's you don't have to haul anything anymore i have what you call in the sound world is white gloves okay you know, you know where it's supposed to go. You know where it's supposed to go, but you now don't. now I get to point at things and go that, point, to, point to miles. That's funny. Which is an old joke about yeah. me now is yeah. my white gloves. Because if I ever had to clean, if I had to pick something up, I'm like my my gloves are getting awfully dirty here. I don't Ooh. know what's going. Wow! Wow! So you're a diva now too. I am. I love it. I Yay, am. Randy! It, it <laughs> took some time. Well, you earned it. You earned it. You've earned yeah. it. Yeah. I've, I've put a lot of time in on it, so I feel I don't know if I've earned it, but, I've, but well, yeah, I have. I have. I love it. So let's get back to hip hop. I'd like to talk a little bit about perceptions that you see of white people in. Well, what I guess what I'm trying to say is, white kids are consuming hip hop at an at an amazing rate right now, and. How do you feel like it's perhaps shaping who they are and the way that they see the world? I mean, if they're finding some sort of dissent within it, much like we as as Afropunks found 
punk rock. How how are they how are they mining the field of hip hop? Not necessarily being able to you know to understand everything. I am actually kind of impressed with them now. I mean, when for instance, when that uh, the band Brockhampton did their thing and they got huge, and then the one gentleman had a uh, had a Me Too moment and they kicked him out right away. Hmm. I was you know it was probably the move to go and not you know to kind of show everybody you don't do that shit you know um that being said there's tons of mumble rap out there that that is just like uh, i don't i don't get it you know and you you know it's like nobody can get it mumble rap i like that the tattooed like i got my face tattooed and i escaped you look like a you know desk in detention Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. I think that I think that is is what it is, mm-hmm. you know. And but I do think it's changing. I mean, the fact that that were hip hop artists were just headlining Coachella, that's saying something about what's going on, you know. You that never happened before. And the fact, like, what there was a giant deal with Jay Z headlining Reading last year, or it was Reading. One of the big European festivals. Was it Reading? No, it was uh, Glastonbury. Glastonbury. It was Glastonbury. Right? It was Glastonbury. Yeah, and it was big. That's huge. It was huge yeah. for him to be headlining Glastonbury. And so that happening now <clears throat> is a big deal, and I think that's great. I think um, the message, some of the artists that are out there that are with the more, I mean, personally, I'm like a little more like a positive message. Um, so I think a little, the artists that are out there that are doing things that are a little bit more positive, or I enjoy. But I also think that's what's bringing a lot more. I think the safety of it is what's making people like, right. you know, that's what's bringing the whole thing in. I mean, Atmosphere plays all these reggae festivals now, and it's strictly because uh, I think Atmosphere is fairly um, a cautious suggestion for hip-hop for these for these un- these I fans like that aren't necessarily cautious suggestion. <laughs> I like that <laughs> <laughs> safe rap. Well, it's, that's yeah. that's the reality in that situation. I mean, I don't know if that's what I don't think that's necessarily what going for. It's just that's what it is. You know, that's the outcome of the music. You know, so um, but it can cross over. Yeah, I mean, yes. Speaking of crossover, we'll get to this conversation in next week's episode of the Black Helpline, Talk with Hawk, Part 2. Thanks for listening.